morning. Good evening, everybody. A few more, a few more faces slipped in from a few minutes ago. It's good to see you guys. Well, um, I appreciate the opportunity to share tonight, and um, we're going to continue. It's really unique. Last, um, we've been talking about the articles of faith um, set out by the Church of God, by our denomination, and I'm going to be speaking on article number seven, which is, we believe holiness to be God's standard of living for his people. And last week, Brother Donnell did a wonderful job speaking on sanctification, and it's very, very similar to the subject that I'll be um, speaking on tonight. And so thank you for already preparing the way for me. And Pastor gave us a very challenging uh, message, a great message, actually, this Sunday on, on holiness and in living as God's people, you know, what that looks like. And being imitators of Christ, being imitators of God. So they just paved the way for me, so thank you guys. All right, um, so article number seven, we believe holiness to be God's standard of living for his people. And I'm going to be talking specifically tonight, there's several different definitions of holiness and to be holy, but I want to talk about holiness as being set apart and what that means, what that looks like. So I'm going to be picking on a few people tonight, bringing them up um, quickly to help me illustrate a few things. And, but first, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no name on heaven and on earth, God, greater or higher. God, and we just worship the name of Jesus Christ. And we just thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us to walk in holiness. God, that we can be identified with you. Lord, that we can be mimickers or imitators of, of you. And we can walk worthy of the calling, not because of who we are, but because of you, Jesus, and what you have done on the cross to make a way for us. God, teach us tonight. Holy Spirit, help our ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Lord, I ask that you'll help me communicate your word in a way that's clear Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the, the scripture I'd like to start out with um, tonight, and we may not have them up here because I, I usually have a lot of scriptures, and I didn't want to overwhelm you guys like I normally do. So, But I appreciate your willingness. They would have been very willing to put it up, but I think I almost shut down the computer last time. So um, anyway, in 1 Peter 1, verses 13, Starting with verse 13, it says, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You must live as God's, so you must live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. All right, so let's talk about holiness or holy, meaning to be set apart. So I have a few things, and I'm going to try to move quickly because if I slow down, I'll have you out. I'll have you all night, and that's not good. So I'm going to talk about a few things. I got a pair of scissors here, and if you notice, they have a red dot on them. Well, growing up, 
This was my mom's scissors that she's let me have now, but they're haircutting scissors. And they were definitely set apart. She let us know, if you use these scissors for anything else but their intended purpose for hair, you're going to be in trouble. And I did not want to be in trouble with my mother. So we knew the scissors with the red dot she so conveniently put on there for us meant these are set apart for hair. And they had their own drawer, their own place, and they were to be placed back there after use. Maybe you have some things like that around your house. Maybe you have a special cup. I had um, one I was going to bring, actually two that I thought about bringing tonight, but why didn't I bring it? Well, it's special. They're set apart. I was afraid I would, I would drop it and break it. So I had his, um, he was given when he was overseer in Honduras, um, a gift that all the overseers remo- received, and it was rather special. So when I asked him tonight, and he gave me kind of that stink eye, I'm like, okay, I'll just talk about it. He, he said I could, but I didn't trust myself. So maybe you have a special cup, or maybe a special shirt. I didn't get to talk to my son, but I did text him. Maybe you play for a sports team. Well, this is set apart. Would you go out and um, change the oil in your car in this shirt? Should you? <laughs> Bennett's saying yes. Should <laughs> Some of the Maryville people would. Okay. On for your own sports teams, <laughs> would you? <laughs> I asked the wrong question. Would you go out? It's, it's intended for a special purpose. Now, my son doesn't know I brought this. If he remembers it, this was his special blanket. And so his mom has put it in a special place because it's special to me. This is what he, <laughs> this is what he, he um, took everywhere with him and had that little thumb in that mouth, but that's okay. That was precious. So it's special to me. It's set apart. I put it in my chest in my room, and there it stays. And I don't want somebody to take it out and go use it on a picnic or go use it for to wipe up the kitchen because it's special. It's set apart. It has special uses and requirements that that help keep that set apart set apartness if that's a word all right so think about something that's set apart for you some item around your house maybe clothes or a necklace or jewelry something have you ever had someone use that someone that you know they knew it was special to you like coming home and seeing your mom out with your special cup that was given from I don't know, a friend or an award at school, and she's got it out in the garden, (laughs) drinking out of it and setting it in the mud. Or your dad grabbing it, knowing that he might put it on top of his truck on the way to work, and there it will go. (laughs) I didn't didn't point anything out. (laughs) But how did that make you feel? Well, for me, that's happened a few times, and it just felt, I kind of felt like, do I matter to you? Don't you know that's my one cup, you know? And, and, and then it kind of took this, if they got it dirty or stained, it kind of took the specialness away. But I am going to tell you on you this time. I do have a story for that. So and there's a little bit of my own pride in there that had to be worked through. But years ago when we lived here in Maryville, when our kids were young, we had a Suburban. <laughs> he knows where I'm going now. So this was the first, it was used when we got it, but it was had leather seats. It drove so smooth. It might have even been heated. I don't know. I just love this car. And it was mine because I had four kids and two foster kids, so I got the big vehicle to drive everybody around in. 
So I got to use it, and it just drove so good. Well, my husband had to use it one time. I think you were going to North Carolina or South Carolina, but in North Carolina, he had a little uh, accident and had to take it into the shop, and it messed up the muffler. Well, the guy at the muffler, I don't know how this happened, but somehow offered to put glass packs on it. <laughs> and I think it was a little pushed by here. <laughs> So next time I drove that car, that set-apartness, that specialness wasn't quite there because when I pulled up to church, they could hear me coming a half mile down the road. <laughs> exactly. I was going to get someone to make that noise, but it was very loud. But it took the specialness away, and that took a while for me to recover from that. So anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> Oh, that's right. He did love it. Jay, Jay um, drove it some many times. But anyway, can those items be restored to their special status? Well, my Suburban never was, even though it could have been. <laughs> but um, what about the cup? What about the shirt, the jersey, you know, something? Most of the time, yes. If it just got soiled or dirty, you can wash it, you can clean it, but it has to be put back into that special place. Like for my mom, maybe she could have taken it somewhere and got it sharpened, and then we would have put it back in the drawer. It had to be returned to that original status of being set apart. Those whatever expectations or requirements that helped it to be separate or special had to be once again maintained. But then there's sometimes you can't. If that cup was broken or the, the shirt stained beyond repair, then that status was just lost. Well, in the Old Testament, we can see that God also calls things holy and set apart. We see in Genesis chapter 2 that God blessed the, the seventh day, the Sabbath day, and declared it holy. In Exodus 3 and 5, God, the Lord was speaking to Moses, and he said, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. So why, why did he have to take it off? He said, for you are standing on holy ground. And in Exodus 25 and 26, we can see where the Lord asked, he said, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. And inside that holy sanctuary, he said, hang the inner curtain from this clasp and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. And in Numbers 7 and 1, we can even see the things inside the holy, the, the tabernacle were holy. They were set apart. It says, on the day Moses set up the tabernacle, he anointed it and set it apart as holy. He also anointed and set apart all of its furnishings and, and the altar with its utensils. The anointing oil that they used. Guess what? It was set apart. In fact, in Exodus 30, it says, This holy anointing oil is reserved for me, the Lord speaking, from generation to generation. It must never be used to anoint anyone else. And you must never make any blend like it for yourselves. It is holy, and you must treat it as holy. So his sanctuary... It wasn't just a common place, the tabernacle that the Lord dwelt in the midst of the Israelites. It wasn't just a common place that anybody could just go in and hang out. 
It was a very special place. In fact, the priest could only go into the holy place. And then the high priest could only go into the most holy place one day a year. And that was with under very special um, requirements that he had to do first or his life could be in jeopardy. So it was holy. It was set apart to the Lord. And then you see the Israelites. Well, first his priest. The priest, they, it said in Le- Leviticus 21, they must not shave their heads or trim their beards or cut their bodies. They must be set apart as holy to their God. And they must never bring shame on the name of, uh, of the Lord. They must be holy. And then even his own people, the Israelites in Leviticus 20, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. The Israelites, they had to walk different than the other nations. They were set apart as, their, their, as the Lord's people. So the Lord gave them specific foods to eat. Um, sacrifices were to be made. They weren't allowed to serve other gods. They weren't allowed to sacrifice their children in the fire or to other gods. There was a certain way that they had to live. And also the Lord calls us, the church, his bride, to be holy. And we've read 1 Peter um, 14 through 16, but I'll just read the last part. It says, now must you must be holy in everything you do, just as, as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And in 1 Peter 2, 9, just the next chapter over, it says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. All right. So we've talked about things that we can understand in our own life that are set apart. We've talked about things in the Old Testament that were set apart. We see how we, his people, are set apart. I want to relate it to earthly relationships. I need Raylan and Bella to come on up here. (laughs) All right. Do you remember, okay, we can always have best friends. Even as older people, we can have best friends. But do you remember this age, how special it was to have a best friend? You're my BFF, best friends forever. Well, let me ask you a few questions, and I want you to talk. This is your chance to yell at me here. So, all right, we've got these two girls. They, they sometimes will hand each other a necklace. They clearly love each other. They're BFFs. But you guys, what identifies this relationship? How do you know they're best friends? What are some of the ways we know? They're together. They hang out. They, they appear to like each other. Anything else? They communicate. How is it different than, because we have lots of friends. How do you know the best friend? How can you tell someone they're, they're probably best friends? They're there for you. You run to them. You tell you your secrets. You know, you can walk in a room and you may greet everybody, but that one person has that special place. All right. Sometimes you may give each other, remember the BFF necklace? You may give that to each other. But are there expectations in this relationship to maintain the status of best friends? What are some of those? Trust. You actually have to talk to one another. You have to treat each other like you're, you're kind of set apart or more special than everyone else. Anything else? 
got to tell secrets to one another. Yeah. So what happens when these expectations are not met? If, if Miss Bella here walks in the room and totally ignores Raylan, and she does it tonight, and she does it Sunday, and she does it next Wednesday, and the next Sunday, what's going to happen to this relationship? She's gonna, there's hurt, there's pain, and probably damage to the relationship. All right, thank you, girls. All right, I got to pick on some more people. All right. Um, which family? Uh, McKinley, Beverly, and Jeff, they were very much on the spot because the family that I was going to use weren't able to make it. So we have a, a, a volunteer family here. All right, so this can go with any family. But what identifies this? The, the, okay, their family. If you don't know, this is father, daughter, and mother, and we have a, another brother that's not here tonight. What identifies this relationship? How does the world recognize it? Last name. Anything else? They look alike. <laughs> Family resemblance. They usually live where? Same house. All right. Are there expectations in this relationship? Absolutely. You know, I'm sure you guys, when McKinley was young and Samuel were young, there was a whole bunch of taking care of them. I'm sure there's some taking care now, too, but there was an expectation that you would take care of them. Now, do you, do you remember the old saying, blood's thicker than water? Well, what about this? You can pick, I can pick up on my brother, but if you touch him, I'm coming after you. So I don't know if that's how you and Samuel were. You know, you could beat him up or you could pick on him, but if somebody else did, you're going to be his biggest defender. So we do have some expectations here. Well, as we know, as we look across our nation, we see a lot of fatherless families. We see a lot of mothers that struggle. So if these expectations are not met, what are some of the consequences? What happens? Breakdown of the family. We have, um, we have rebellion. We have revenge even between. We have... Um, hurtful situations, a lot of hurt and pain and brokenness. Thank you, guys. All right. I'm going to really go to pick and meddling now. Allison and Eli, come up, please. <laughs> All right. I, need, I need you to stand by me, Allison. Thank you. Okay. All right, we have a dating relationship up here. How, do you can, how can we identify this relationship? Is, can it be identified? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are some of the things that identify a couple that are dating? <laughs> Holding hands back there in the back, yes. Uh, anything else? Googly eyes, I think I heard. Yeah, the way they, they look at each other, the way they talk to each other, how much they hang out with one another. Are there expectations in this relationship? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if Eli walks in and decides to pay other girls more attention than Allison, and he does it continually, was that going to cause a problem? Yes. There's going to be some hurt, some pain, or it could be the other way around. <laughs> I told him I tried not to pick too much. Anyway, y'all can sit down. But it will cause hurt, pain. It could even break up the relationship. All right, one more. Got to remember who I'm picking on. Oh, Joan and Terry. I don't know if Terry knows he's, he's going to be called up. All right, we have another relationship here. We've got a married couple. 
how can we identify? Is there identifying features to this relationship? What are their wedding rings? Yes. What about their last names? Last names, where they live? Yeah. <laughs> their last name is Payne, so his is P-A-I-N, according to Joan, and his, hers is P-A-Y-N-E. <laughs> All right, so yes, we definitely do. these. And there's also merit wedding vows that were spoken. They were spoken before God, but they were also spoken before people. So not only are they binding spiritually, but they are also binding legally here. And if those vows are broken, there are consequences. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be pain. There's going to be a broken, a damaged, or even severed relationship. So thank you, guys. All right. You know, we have a relationship with the Lord as well. In Titus 2 and 14, it says, He gave His life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. And we can accept that relationship. And I know a lot of you know this, but it says in Ephesians 2 and 8 that God saved you by His grace when you believed. So we can accept that invitation to enter a relationship with him. And we are his. In First Thessalonians 1 and 4, it says, We know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. And in 1 Peter 2.9, we heard this scripture earlier. You are a chosen people. A, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Well, in every relationship we've seen so far, hasn't there been expectations? In order for, it's like Paul and I, for me to be his wife, there's certain actions that set me apart that I need to walk in that, those expectations and requirements. I don't be a wife Monday through Friday and take the weekend off, do I? No. But why do we think this way sometimes towards God? In fact, we kind of like to flip it sometimes. I'll take Monday through Saturday off, but Sunday I'm yours, God. Sunday I'm going to walk in your ways. That's not someday, but Sunday I'm going to be yours. I'm going to act and walk in, in, in the expectations that are upon me. And is, is, is it wrong if even the simplest of relationships have expectations? That's what sets them apart. Do we expect differently with a relationship with the most holy God? All right, so let's look at some of those expectations, and I'm going to kind of start general. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40, a man came up to the Lord and said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commands. And in Romans 13 and 8, these are similar, but to me it kind of spells it out a little bit more. shows those actions. It says in um, verse 8, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say... 
So what is that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you're not gonna, you don't love your neighbor by murdering them. You don't love your neighbor by coveting their goods. So all the commands are summed up in that. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. All right, one more illustration. Josh and Stephanie. I really get picked on. They've got to come up from the sound booth, so give them, give them a minute. All right, so do you guys remember, maybe in the, I think everyone will understand this, but... You guys may have seen movies about an older generation, about back in high school when the Letterman jackets, when a guy chose a girl to be his girl, or to go steady, as they called it back in those days, oftentimes they would give a Letterman jacket. They would give her his jacket and perhaps a senior ring. So Josh has brought his jacket from high school. And what does this jacket represent here? Well, some of the things a Letterman jacket might represent. Accomplishment, things, his, his, his identity, his, you know, what the year he graduated, his name, what he was involved in, things like that. So it, was, it, it identified him. What about the senior ring? Now he's going to put a, oh, she's got a ring there. So what were some of the things the senior ring identified? It would have the year he was graduating, sometimes his birthstone, his status as a senior. So it represented who he was. And so he would place it on his girl <laughs> there. So um, the jacket and the ring identified her as his, as his, his girlfriend. So and there was probably some hopes as when she walked down the, 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 the halls of the, the high school that other boys, maybe Josh was thinking, hey, if I put this jacket on her, that lets every guy know she's mine. Stay away. And maybe Stephanie was like, I've got his jacket. That's going to let every other girl know, that man over there, he's mine. I'm identified with him. So, thank you guys. <laughs> so, you know what? The Lord, oh, i got to tell you one more thing. If Stephanie was wearing that jacket, are there expectations? We've already talked about the dating expectations. They're definitely there, right? But what if she, while wearing that jacket, went down the hall and flirted with every guy, and then on Friday after school was over, jumped in the pickup to go on a date with a guy while still wearing Josh's jacket? What do you want to say to her? Shame on you. At least take the jacket off first, right? (laughs) Just a little thing to think about there. All right. But the Lord has given us his identity. It says that he covers us with garments. He's cleansed us. He's covered our sins. In Romans 4 and 7, it said, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. And I've got a thing to just show, you know, this is not totally white, but um, the Lord has covered us in his righteousness. He has covered us. In Revelations 3 and 5, listen to these words. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. 
I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce them before my Father and his angels that, that they are mine. In verse 12, all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. He wants us to bear his name. He identifies. We are identified with Christ. We bear his identity. What are we called? Christians. So does it matter how we act when we're clothed with righteousness? If we expected it of a girl in high school wearing her, her boyfriend's letterman jacket, are there expectations on us? Does it matter how we live? Yes. All right. There are things that show that we are set apart. There are ways that we should be, the world should look at us and say, hey, I recognize something. They are in a relationship. They are different. They're not acting like everyone else. They're identified with someone else. They're identified with the Lord Jesus. And we see in Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, and this is, this is a little, these next two passages are a little long, but bear with me because we really need to know how does that look on a day-to-day basis? How do we walk it out? Just like I have to walk out my relationship with Paul. Everyone I speak to, every decision I make, that is reflected upon my relationship with him, how I interact with other men. You know, even as a mother or, you know, you think of your relationships. You walk it out every day. Well, how does your relationship with Christ, how do you walk it out? In Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, it says, With the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God Gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Christ and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, so how does that look? So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. I do not grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. 
guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ through just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. That's how we walk it out. Love one another. All the laws and prophets are summed up in these two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how we walk in holiness. That's how we walk set apart, walking pleasing to him. And it goes on in Colossians 3, 3 through 17. For you died to this world, and your, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. As they, they lurk within you. I'm not talking about how you wear your hair or something like that. These are the things that lurk within us. It says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have, and I love these action words, you have stripped off. That's something you do, guys. It tells us put off, throw off the old sinful nature, put on the new nature. That's an action word for us to do. It says put off your new, put Strip off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And I'm going to skip down to verse 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So let me ask you a question. In all these earthly relationships that we saw up here, what really mattered the most? Was it the words they said to each other? Oh, you're my wife. You're my girlfriend. I love you. You're my BFF. Is that what really mattered or was it the actions that they showed to set that, set that relationship apart? It was the actions. And we see that confirmed or supported by James in chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing. So that's a brother or a sister. I'm not saying a stranger. I said a brother or a sister. And you say, goodbye, have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But you don't do anything. You don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith 
and others have good deeds. But I, James, I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Because he has chosen us, And we have chosen him. We have accepted his covering. We've accepted his identity. So let us put off the old man, those old ways that we were taught, the ways we were taught to live by the world, the way we think. Guys, everything we do can be influenced by the world, and we have to dig deep into his word to know his ways because our natural way is just to do it as, every, as the world does it. That's what comes natural to us. We have to surrender our ways. We have to not live for ourselves. We have to come to him in humility and repentance. And that's found again in James chapter 4, verse 8 to 10, through 10. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. You know, just like all the relationships we talked today, I talked about how what resulted if those expectations weren't met. There would be hurt, there'd be pain, there'd be broken relationships, even severed. Could those relationships ever be restored? Yes, thank you, Elijah, they could. If the offended, the hurt party was willing to forgive, what about the one that did the offending, the one that hurt? Did they, would they have to change their ways? Would you wanna stay best friends with someone that never talked to you? Would you want to say, would you want to keep the boyfriend that flirted with every other girl but you? Huh? (laughs) No. I agree with you, Raylan. (laughs) No. But you know what? Jesus has made a way for us. He's made a way for us to be reconciled to him. In 1 John 1 and 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wonderful news, right? His grace is abundant. But is that an excuse to continue to live in sin? He'll forgive us. What do you guys think? Should we continue to live like the world because we know that Jesus will forgive us? No, certainly not. In fact, that's what Paul says in Romans um, chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, and that's where I'm going to start. It says, well then, shall we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his abundant and wonderful grace? Of course not, or certainly not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Let's skip down to verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Verse 11, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God 
through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. I hear amen. Amen. But you know what? We're not left alone to struggle to live right. He has given us his Holy Spirit. We can't do this alone, can we, guys? No. I put a lot of tough things out there in front of you, but we're not left alone. Guys, we are not left alone. The Lord does not say, you do this or you can't be in relationship with me. He makes a way. He gives us his Holy Spirit, his helper, his advocate to teach us everything that we need to know to help us live in righteousness. And it says also in Romans 8, verses 12 through 13, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But through the power, if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So it's by the power of His Spirit. We have to learn. We have to surrender It's really that simple. God, I let go of my way. I can't do it, but you can. And I trust you. Because sometimes it's a a journey. I want to encourage you guys. If there's something you're struggling with, it's a journey. God's not going to cast you away because you get it wrong. He's looking at your heart. You want to do right. Come to him. Be Be open. Be transparent. God, I'm struggling. I want to do what's right, but this is the thing that I end up doing. Come to him. And you know what? He'll walk with you through that struggle. And one day, I promise you, one day you will look back and say, wow, he did it. He did it. I've experienced that. I remember thinking, God, I want to show you how good I am. I want to show you how much I love you. But then I'd go, boop, right on my face. And I felt so powerless to overcome it. But I said, God, I give it to you. Sometimes I had to give it to him two or three times a day or over and over. And I just kept walking with him and trusting him and surrendering to him and letting him teach me through his word and growing and being around others that could hold me accountable. And one day I realized that's not a struggle anymore. I've been set free by his grace, by his power. And that's what I'm talking to you about. I'm not talking to you about holiness to try to bring condemnation. But there's life. We have been set free from the power of sin. And he's given up his spirit to help us walk that out. So lay it at his feet. Whatever that struggle is, just lay it at his feet. Trust him. And in the meantime, cling to him. Because there's going to be good days and bad days. All right. I just want to remind you that he loves us, and I'm coming to the end. He loves us. He loves us so much 
that he wanted a relationship with us, that he endured beatings and mockery and rejection and crucifixion so we could have that relationship with him. And then he gave us his identity, his righteousness, just like Josh put that letterman jacket on Stephanie. He covered us in white. But will we choose to walk with him in holiness? Just as I, every day, I value my relationship with my husband. So I want to walk in a way that keeps our relationship special and set apart. So will you be willing to come to him and allow him to help you to walk in a way, walk worthy of the calling that he has called you to, that you may please him in all that you do, that we can surrender that all way. So let's... I just, I just want you tonight, we're going to pray. If there's something you're struggling with, come to him. However the Lord's spoken to you, if he has through this message, I pray that you'll just spend a moment and talk to him. Let's pray together. Holy, holy, holy God. God, we just thank you that you love us, that you pursued us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God, you know our hearts. You know everything about us. God, but we choose to open ourselves up to you. We choose to let you see the struggle, the things we hide from others. God, we choose to lay lay it bare, lay it open before you. And we ask that you help us. God, help us to walk in holiness. Help us to set apart our relationship with you as special. God, that we may walk in a way that shows the world that we are yours and yours alone. God, help us to shed, to put away, to take off the ways of the world. God, we've been raised in this world. It's hard not to think like the world thinks. It's hard not to talk like the world talks. It's hard not to act like the world acts. But we want to be like you, Jesus. We want to talk and think and act like you. And we ask by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come in and empower us and help us to cleanse us. Lord, we repent. We repent of our sins. We turn away from them and we turn toward you, God. And I just thank you so much for loving me enough that you will not let go of us. That you will not let go until we're changed. You love us enough just like we are, but you, will, you love us so much you won't leave us like that. And I just thank you. And I surrender my life to you. And I just thank you for your abundant grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. That's good stuff right there, huh? Amen. You know, I, um, uh, Dr. Mosier, who, you, I really appreciate Dr. Mosier. He's put together the schedule for um, these nights. I appreciate the young people. I know that this is different for you guys. Uh, to be in here, um, but I'm thankful that you are attentive, and you know it's important for you, for all of us, to know what we believe and why we believe, 
and to uh, be able to grow in that depth. And I'm so thankful that you guys are in here. This might not be your typical style, um, and this might not be your comfort level, but uh, you being in here, I pray that uh, you will take it serious. Take notes, you know. Um, go back and ask questions. Uh, take it to heart because uh, each one of these has something powerful. I mean, when I think of how many of you have been studying a little bit of the revivals that have been going on, and you, when you look at these revivals like at Asbury and, and at various universities and home areas, um, you know, I think the, the underlying current is just we, we're hungry for God, we repent for the way we've been living, and we ask God for a new move. And I think when we get to that place where we're not satisfied with what we have been and who we've been, and we truly get to a place where we repent and say, God, forgive me for just following the same pattern that has not gotten me anywhere. And, Lord, I just come with, a, with a, uh, an absolute open uh, heart for your agenda and not anything else. Um, to me, that's kind of what's been going on on Tuesday mornings, just... We come in on Tuesday mornings, we, we just set up a, a speaker just to allow there to be ambient music, and we just come in and pray. We're not, we're not having an agenda, we're not coming in for a Bible study, we're, uh, you know, we just come to let God speak into our heart. And I see that group growing, and, and so I, hopefully we can open that up for more opportunities and times, maybe an, an evening time, but uh, just to come and sit and soak in his presence and allow him to speak into our heart. So important. If you don't have that time or you're not taking that time, please, I encourage you, take time to just sit in his presence and let him speak without an agenda, without coming in with, you know, your lists of this is what I, you know, uh, what I want to pray about, but just saying, you know what, I am going to pray, but I'm just going to pause and say, God, you speak. Uh, Pentecostals, I know that you were not all, we're, we weren't all raised Pentecostal, but Pentecostal people are afraid of silence. Come on, now some of you guys were raised in Pentecostal church, we're afraid of silence. We feel like if you get silent, somebody's got to speak in tongues or something, right? But you know, silent moments are some of the most sincere and some of the greatest intimate times that we can have with the Lord, where He, where we just stop and let Him filter in, you know, if you will, break through the barriers of our own heart. So, please take time to be in the presence of the Lord. Don't be afraid to just pause and let Him move, because He is good, isn't He? Come on, amen. Dr. Mosier, who is um, up next? Do you have your list with you? Candace Bowling. Come on. Anointed children's pastor will be coming in and speaking next week. And um, so I know that you will enjoy that. If you're wondering what we're following and you want to get a leg up on things, we're just going through the statements of faith. 
exploring the Declaration of Faith. It is what the Church of God believes. It's uh, much in line with the Apostles' Creed and what uh, other evangelical churches believe, as well as the Assembly of God and so on and so forth. And um, so, you know, if if you would like to look at that, you can find that on um, on the Church of God's website and pull that off and look and look at that and and see where we are. And let me see where. So we're on Article Eight, and so next week we'll be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit subsequent to a clean heart. So I, I encourage you. If you want to know more, what, wouldn't it be amazing next Wednesday night if we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and we just, we just experienced people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, I just pray, why don't we come with expectation next week? Well, you know, uh, we, uh, uh, once again, Pentecostals come with the mindset that you can only get baptized in the Holy Spirit when it's loud and crazy and wild. But my wife uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a quiet solitude of her bedroom, away from the obnoxious <laughs> atmosphere, and she just asked God to fill her. So... Come with an expectation next week. Let's come ready to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Be praying. Get ready. Come on. As my, as one of those good preachers down in Atlanta or Texas or wherever he is these days, uh, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> T.D. Jakes. Love you guys. Um, Sunday morning. Come get ready. All right. I'm sorry. There is a thank you. Did you want? No, no. Um, there is a sign-up sheet in the back. If you and it's um, Joan, would you be willing to share just a little bit about what that what that looks like? Uh, well, it was brought to my attention that there is a life-size uh, pattern of the tabernacle in Chattanooga. So SWAT's getting together to do that, and they have opened a spot up for us for 50 people to go and see this life-size, you know, it's, it's awesome. If you go online, you can view that. But I know we had been studying the tabernacle the last few weeks in our Sunday school class, and I'm really excited about it. So after Sunday, we hope to open that up to anybody else that would like to go, up to 50 people. Um, I had an, um, a spot that was arranged for 27, and she called me back, and she said, how about I just give you your own spot, and you can bring 50? I said, that sounds good. So we're going to try and do that on April the 4th, uh, meet here at the church around 11. That's a Tuesday. And then we'll travel to Chattanooga. We're looking into getting a bus. If we have enough people, we will do that maybe. Get a bus and just take everybody all at one time. Um, it's just going to be an awesome event. I think you'd love it. So remember time change this Sunday. We are springing forward for the last time. I mean, Congress has voted, but we'll see if they hadn't changed them since then. Um, so, so if you are if you are SWAT, and those of you who don't know what SWAT is, that's our, our seniors with a testimony. 
If you're in that group or consider yourself in that group or identify in that group, feel free to sign up on that sheet. We'd love to have all as many as possible go. Uh, if uh, we're also having a a, um, a retirement party for Miss Kathy, and um, even if you are new, and we we really would love everyone to participate. Um, we're doing a potluck, so bring a bring a a dish. Um, I usually try to say bring a dish for your to amount. To take care of your family plus one, and if you if we all do that, there should be plenty for to go around. But uh, there is a sign up sheet for that in the back as well. We'd love you to sign up and be a part of that. We're um, are we live streaming still?